You're listening to the Boogeyman's Closet Podcast. Explicit language and spoilers ahead. You've been warned. And we are back for yet another episode of the Boogeyman's Closet. As always, I am Mike Alvarez. Maurice Gillifer. Unfortunately, Susie can't join us today, but we do have a guest joining us. It's a me, the Strasbourg. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, good sir. <laughs> Thanks for having and me back. We are uh, continuing our, well, actually, we're finishing up our month of home invasion movies with The People Under the Stairs from 1992. It's an hour and 42 minutes and directed by Wes Craven. So we got another one of his films on here. Um, I don't feel like I need to go through his credits list, but the ones we've already covered, uh, Swamp Thing, Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, um, The Hills Have Eyes, bunch of good stuff. So one more in his pantheon of movies that we're covering. But uh, let's go around the table and see what everyone thinks about this. Josh, as you are our guest, it's customary we start with you. What are your thoughts? Well, I have a comment first about what you just said about Wes Craven and his uh, filmography there. I thought it was really interesting when I went to go rent this movie. Uh, the first streaming service it came up on was Apple TV. So I just rented it there. And the description of the movie started with something along the lines of, from the director who brought you The Serpent and the Rainbow and Shocker, dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, <laughs> what? what? Like... I, I, come on, like, I feel like there's there's at least one really famous, important movie that Wes Craven has directed that probably should have been mentioned. I mean, right. I can't think of it right now, but... <laughs> yeah, that seems a little bit I know. odd. I, I can't believe Last House on the Left wasn't on there. I know, I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it just, it's, it's just so weird, you know, like, no mention of, like, Scream or, or you know, or the other famous one, you know, like, right. really, The Serpent and the Rainbow and Shocker? Like, not even movies in the last 30 years, you know? Like, <laughs> the only way that could have got better is if they were, like, my deadly friend in Vampire in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I feel like some, like, horror fan probably wrote that synopsis, and they were just like, you know, screw all these famous movies. Everyone should watch The Serpent and the Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're not wrong, but, man, that movie yeah. is one of those one-and-dones for me, because, woof, that's tough. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, Shocker, shock, I don't think I've seen that one since it came out either. But either way, yeah, I just that has nothing to do with my opinions of this particular movie. I just thought that was really strange. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, he's a director so famous, they put his name in the name of the movie. You know, it's always like, you know, Wes Craven's The People Under the Stairs or whatever, you know. Um, anyway, I like this movie. I'll say that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, this is uh, I have, one of those movies I haven't seen in a really long time, but it was it just crashed back into my memory when I was rewatching it yesterday as if I had just seen it the day before I remembered pretty much every single like little detail and twist and turn. The only thing really different this time was with the closed captioning on, I was able to pick up some little details that I never noticed before. Man, there's so much yelling and screaming in these movies that sometimes you miss things that people say. Uh, so that was interesting, but yeah, I love this movie. It, I, it falls into this really strange trend. Um, one of strange is the right adjective, but this trend of movies in the late eighties and early nineties, where there was movies like Candyman and new Jack city. 
uh, Lean on Me, maybe mm-hmm. Boys in the Hood, like the sort of like the ghetto sucks is like the genre, you know, <laughs> it's yeah. like, uh, just inner, you know, inner city, like East LA, you know, um, and just, uh, you know, life in the ghetto and they just hit every genre, you know, and this was like one of the horror movie ones, like this one in like Tales from the Hood, you know. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was a, 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 an interesting trend that I noticed this time watching it. Like I hadn't, it wasn't that long ago that I watched Higher Learning and Menace to Society again. And it was like, again, falling into that, <laughs> that sort of trend, uh, which when I Googled it, they came up as black movies. And I thought, that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's great. Uh, it's one of those movies where every actor in it is like, other than Ving Rhames, every other actor is basically like, hey, I've seen this guy in something. And I can't quite put my finger on it, but like, <laughs> right. I know who that is. You know, to the point where I was, I was looking up the people who were playing like the uh, the titular people under the stairs. Um, mm-hmm. Which I, I never know. I noticed now with this close captioning on this time, characters named Stairmaster yes. and, <laughs> and I Stair, so hard at that. <laughs> Stair Person Two, Stair Person Two, who has a a, a small role in I want to say is it PCU and oh no Point Break, Point Break, and I'm, I, I that's what I recognize him from. He's like the, he's the long haired like uh, red headed stoner dude that gets a piece of his hair chopped off by Gary Busey in Point Break <laughs> when they're like trying to to f- figure out who the uh, the dead presidents are. Anyway, I went on a rambling uh, spiel here just to tell you that I really dig this movie, so I'm excited to talk about it. <laughs> well, no, I, I have to agree there, but uh, Maurice, we'll toss it over to you. What are what are your thoughts on this one? I like this movie. Uh, it's like Josh said, it's been a while since I watched it myself. Uh, it it definitely brought back memories of watching it after seeing it because I, I wasn't sure how much I'd re- remember, but uh, I enjoy it. Uh, the actors are, they're not big actors, big name actors other than Fane Rames, but like Josh said, you've seen them in other things. I'm trying to, I didn't look her up. I'm trying to figure out where I've seen the mother at before. Oh, Wendy Robbie. She yeah. was in um she was in Twin Peaks. Well, her and Everett McGill were both in Twin Peaks. Um, she was in Quantum Leap, Vampire in Brooklyn, a movie that I have very fond memories of, The Dentist Part Two. Um oh. <laughs> I know I didn't see her in that because I don't think I watched that. <laughs> I uh I won't tell the story on the air, but I but I have a very hilarious memory of that movie. <laughs> but yeah, you know. Like Josh said, with the inner city, uh, it seemed like a lot of movies back in the late 80s, early 90s had, had you know, a lot to do with that. And yeah, some of the things said and done probably couldn't get away with now. But, you know, you know, I, speaking of that, though, like uh, Jordan Peele is supposed to produce a remake of this. And I'm really curious where they're going to go with it, because like, oh, I didn't hear that one. I didn't yeah. Hear he, he's been pushing for a remake of this one for a while, and I'm excited to see what they can do with it now. Yeah, especially with his mind. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, you know, he's not directing it, but still, he's he'll have a lot to say. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. I would I would love to see uh, the same concept in a more of an urban setting because you know mm-hmm. we'll get into it later obviously but the the house is such an important part of the story it's like a character in and of itself and i think a remake would be interesting of like take the same concept but instead of the, this big you know uh standalone house make it like an apartment building or something like that yes. you would you you'd, you'd expand the scope of like the uh the traps and the prisons and you know and 
you know, I, I was going to mention it later, but the house in this movie is like a TARDIS, you know, it's like bigger yeah. on the inside some, somehow it just keeps going on and on and on. But how cool would it be if it was like a much larger building or even if it was just like some country estate, like some giant mansion, you could have these, these, these huge mazes uh, of building uh, I mean, of rooms, I should say, and corridors and traps and pits. And I think you could up the ante with the environment. Yeah, totally. Agree. Yeah, for sure. So but, overall, uh, you're a fan? Yeah, I enjoy this movie. It's been a while, but, you know, I, I do like this movie. Um, I thought maybe, you know, seeing it again, I, I, I was thinking it might not age as well, but there's not too much in it that it's like, oh, you know, because there wasn't CGI used, so, yeah, or anything like that. You know, it was all, you know, I pretty. I think it holds up really well. Yeah, no, it does. I but you know that was my concern before, but other than a few things said here and there, mm-hmm. you know it holds up really, really good. Um, but yeah, it's a West Craven film, and there's not too many West Craven films that I do not like. So, <laughs> right, yeah, I, I think the the only West Craven film that I don't like is Cursed. Um, I thought that that was a, a really badly put together werewolf film. Um, but everything else on, on his, you know, catalog of films I've enjoyed. Yeah. I kind of forgot he did that. Thanks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I I tried to scrape (laughs) that movie out of my memory. I don't blame you. (laughs) Notice I didn't put it on the, on the docket last month. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) But yeah, overall, I enjoy this movie and, um, I highly recommend it to anyone that's never seen it. If you're a fan of Wes Craven or. You know, home invasion kind of mm-hmm. horror. I think you'd enjoy this movie. Oh, absolutely. Going back to Wes Craven for a second, you know, a movie never gets never gets any love of his that is a really fun movie is Red Eye with uh, Killian Murphy. Oh, oh I was yeah. About to, I was yeah. about to say the exact same thing. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I love <laughs> that movie. I didn't yeah. even know it was Wes Craven when I first saw it. Uh, that was one of those ones where Christine and I just went to go see it at like the Dollar Theater when we were bored, like literally driving home. Like, I don't want to go home yet. Let's do something. And we just popped into the cheap theater, you know, mm-hmm. bought the bought a ticket for the first movie that looked, looked decent. And I was super impressed with it and I had no idea even what it was. Yep. This, this, that was one of those movies that I completely forgot had come out because it was in and out of theater so fast. And um, I was, again, bored, didn't know what to do, went and freaking uh, watched it on Netflix and loved it. I was like, holy crap, this is so good. So, yeah, I, I, I really don't think that movie gets enough love. But one of these days, maybe we'll get it on here. Um, but no, I, I agree with both of you. I really like this film. I remember seeing it, you know, soon after it came out to video. So I had to be like 12 or 13 And once again, Wes Craven's love of tricks and traps and booby traps caught my attention immediately. I loved the house. The house was just so cool to me as a kid, like all the different tunnels between the walls and, you know, the slidey stairs and the trap doors. I just it it sparked my imagination in such a great way. Um, What didn't spark my imagination and freaked me the fuck out as a kid was daddy. Quote unquote, like the the gimp suit, like what the fuck? Oh yeah, Yeah. and then then you find out later. Yeah, once you find out, it's like, but he creeped me out so damn bad. Um, and I have to say, every single time I see Everett McGill in anything, all I can think about is the Talking Heads because I swear to God, him and John Byrne were separated at birth. 
<laughs> or David Byrne, I mean, not John Byrne. David Byrne. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I swear to God, they, they if you look at 1980s David Byrne and Everett McGill, they look like they're brothers. <laughs> it drives me nuts. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, right. every time he popped up in, in the movie, I was like, this is not my beautiful house. Like, I just kept hearing that over and over. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, I'm no, surprised I, we don't see more uh, gimp suit daddy like action figures or you know mm-hmm. uh, artwork or or whatever. Like I feel like that's that's a it's a pretty it could be a classic horror movie character. And I'm sure that there's like you know custom bootlegs out there. And there's probably oh, yeah. a bunch bunch of people listening to this who probably already have them. But I feel like I just don't <laughs> see merch. And that's a the the visual is so striking, creepy yeah. as hell. And that's what part of it makes it so good. You know, and it's funny you say that because, like, you'd think, like, I obviously both of you guys know how often I draw horror movie characters. I've only drawn him twice. I drew him in a, in a Wes Craven tribute piece where I drew a bunch of his characters standing behind Freddy. Um, and then I drew for my my uh, Halloween movie monsters. I drew him one year in, in like that car- very cartoony, you know, uh, Hanna-Barbera style that I was going for. That's all I've ever drawn him, though. I'm like, huh, I might have to revisit this. But... Uh, but yeah, Daddy is just a very creepy fucking character. Um, <laughs> so this is also, though, a, a rare example of a horror movie with a child lead that doesn't feel goofy. Like um, uh, Brandon, Brand, uh, Brandon Quentin Adams as Fool is really good. Mm-hmm, like, I sure. never I never once feel like, oh, well, it's a kid actor. Cut him a break. No, he's good. He He does what he has to do perfectly. And I, I love that because a lot of times when you have a child lead, it can it can take you out. You know, I mean, I always think of um, I know I, I don't want to give this kid more crap, but the prequel Star Wars prequels. Um, oh, yeah. Jake Lloyd. Jake Lloyd. Right. I, I always think of some of the lines he delivered. Now, granted, I'm not going to throw it all on him because Lucas definitely needed some rewrites. But, you know, there's like, like, oh, let's try a barrel roll. That's a good trick. You know, that guy's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can only do so much with the material. I mean, when the adult actors from the original Star Wars famously have complained for years and years about what a mouthful George yes. Lucas's awkward dialogue was, and <laughs> these were like trained professionals, you know, so if yeah. you give it to a young guy like Jake Lloyd, yeah, I definitely think, you know, we need to give, give the kid a break. I, I think he had a lot of, like, pathos in that movie. I think he oh, really gave it gave it, it all, but, like, you can't have a kid say, like, yippee, and have it come off naturally. Right. Like, that's just mm-hmm. bad writing. <laughs> but that, but that's what I'm saying. There's always that thing where, like, with a kid lead, there's always those moments. And, yeah, you can blame it squarely on the writers, but, you know, it, it, it does have that impact. Whereas this, it wasn't there. You know, I, I feel like Fool never came across as like, okay, cut him a break. It was just he always, he nailed every scene, in my opinion. Yeah, but, yeah, he's uh, a good actor, and uh, you know, you're about to. I'll segue you right into the cast because he's been in some say, other good movies too. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yeah, let's get into that cast. Um, so yeah, as mentioned, Fool, played by uh, Brandon Quinton Adams, we would know him from The Sandlot. Everybody loves The Sandlot. Um, the Mighty Ducks one and two. He was in Moonwalker, the Michael Jackson movie, <laughs> <laughs> um, Nightmare Cafe, A Different World, and The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Uh, then we have The Man. So, like I said the uh, with the last episode, this is the second week we have a villain named The Man, um, played by Everett McGill. He was in Dune, Silver Bullet, which is always the place I think of him from. Uh, Heartbreak Ridge, Werewolf the Series, another great 80s television show. License to Kill and Twin Peaks. See, I always think of him from Heartbreak Ridge. <laughs> yeah. See, I always just think of, like, the one-eyed priest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's great in Silver Bullet, too. 
But uh, The Woman, played by Wendy Robbie, as mentioned, Twin Peaks, Quantum Leap, Vampire in Brooklyn, and The Dentist 2. Alice, played by A.J. Langer. Uh, she was in Drexel's Class, Blossom, Arcade, a movie I keep threatening to get on here. I, I love that movie. Uh, Beverly Hills 90210, My So-Called Life and Escape from L.A. Then we have Leroy, played by Ving Rhames. Obviously, we've already seen him in the Dawn of the Dead remake. But he was in Piranha 3D and 3DD. Uh, the Mission Impossible films, Jacob's Ladder, the remake of Day of the Dead, which was unfortunate. Um, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Con Air, ER, the guy's all over the place. One thing I do want to mention about Ving Rhames is the only thing in this film that I would would argue has aged is Ving Rhames' outfit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything else holds up, <laughs> but his outfit is firmly placed in the early 90s. Very much, yes. <laughs> but it was cool back then. He looked really exactly. cool. <laughs> it, it made sense at the time, but watching it now, it's like, yeah, this is set in the 90s. <laughs> uh, but then we have Roach, played by Sean Whalen. We would know him from Batman Returns, Revenge of the Nerds 3, The Next Generation. Uh, Tammy and the T-Rex, another fun movie. Waterworld Twister, Men in Black, Idle Hands, Halloween 2, Hatchet 3, Superstore, Three from Hell, and Ghosts. Like, he's all over the place. This guy does a lot of movies. For some reason, I love Sean Whelan. I don't know what it is, but I love he's him. He's cool. He's wasn't a cool he, dude. Wasn't he in that, like, one, like, peanut butter commercial where he uh, he plays the guy at, like, the Aaron Burr Museum? Or, or it's a Got Milk. Got Milk commercial. Isn't that him where he has, like, <laughs> a mouthful so. of, like, peanut butter toast, and he works at the yeah. Aaron Burr Museum, and, like, there's, like, a radio contest, and they're like, you know, you know, who shot Alexander Hamilton? And he's like, oh, Burr, oh, Burr, and he can't say it because his mouth is full of peanut butter and his glass of milk is empty. I love that guy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, no, he's. I actually recently, like, I recently watched Superstore, and he's really creepy in that, and it's so damn funny. He's like, I won't, I won't ruin his his character, but uh, there is something involving being in the walls, so it's it's very funny. But uh, we have Grandpa Booker, played by the the great Bill Cobbs, who we already saw, and I still know what you did last summer. Uh, but he's also in New Jack City, Demolition Man, Ghosts of Mississippi, The Sopranos, Agents of Shield. Bill Cobb is just. He's he's a great actor. I, I like him in everything I see him in. Yeah, he's a um, uh, he's legendary. I think. Yeah, and then another great actor, uh, Ruby Williams, Kelly Joe Mintner. We we talked about this. Uh, I think it was on Raised by Rentals that she doesn't get enough love. Yeah, because she's great in Summer School and yep. she's great in the the Lost Boys, where she has that one tiny little scene because all of her scenes got cut. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, even in uh, even in the Nightmare on Elm Street series, where again she's given some weird stuff to say, but I think she's she's one of the few standout uh, characters that isn't like a main character. Yeah, and I love Kelly Joe Minner. Yeah, exactly. I love her. I don't think she she got enough play back in the day. Totally agree. She's also in one of my all-time favorite movies, House Party. <laughs> I still, <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> that, that whole series is amazing. Oh. I prefer the Pajama Jamie Jam. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll give you House Party 1 and 2 are absolutely amazing. House Party 3, I feel like it starts falling apart, and Part 4, let's not talk about. No, there's only, there's only two House Party movies. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cl Class Act is a fun sister movie, but you know. Um, oh, I love it. Then we have uh, Spencer, played by Jeremy Roberts. He was in Freddy's Nightmares, Murder, She Wrote, so there's our connection. Uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Seinfeld, Sister Act, The Mask. Like, he's in a bunch of different stuff. Um, but yeah, so anyone who has never seen this film and was wondering at this point, what the fuck are we talking about? The basic plot is uh, two adults and a juvenile break into a house occupied by a brother and sister and their stolen children. 
There they must fight for their lives. So th- I'm going to give it away. Spoil it. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to say it right here. The, the the creepy married duo in this movie are actually siblings. So, ugh. Yeah, yes. yuck. Yeah, it's so creepy. I'm surprised he gave it away in the in the, uh, the synopsis. Synopsis. There we go. There's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even even yeah, right on IMDb, it's even uh, right in the synopsis. There should be a, a little bit of a twist. I mean, here, right, you warn people at the beginning of the show that there are spoilers ahead, but right. on IMDb, <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, exactly. but even in, in the movie, though, they make it, it's a twist. Like, people are surprised yeah. by it. Yeah, because we don't find out until old Grandpa Bill Cobbs, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> who I know is it's Booker, but I'm going to call him Bill Cobbs. Um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, when he when he finally tells it and fools like what, you know, yeah. So it's it is a twist. But um, so we, we open the movie with a with a tarot reading, and we meet uh, Ruby and Fool. So we find out a little bit of information here that basically Fool is turning thirteen, and when she's doing it, reading his cards, he's about to embark on an adventure where there'll be danger. And he'll have to do whatever he has to do to survive. Um, but he'll, he, when he starts, he's going to start this adventure as a boy and come out the other side as a man. So we get a little bit of foreshadowing that he's about to have some serious shit go down. We cut in on their apartment where we see how bad they have it. The entire, I mean, this entire building just looks dusty. Like, I don't know if it's the drywall or what, but like everything looks dusty. Well, what I, and what I noticed about on this watching was I kept looking at the walls going like, why do the walls look so like you said, like dusty or grimy or like even slimy? And then yeah, I, I, would t- I paused and took a closer look. And it's because there's so much paint peeling off of the walls in their apartment that it's literally yeah. like it's more concrete or drywall than it is paint. And you know that that's lead paint. And, and that oh, to me yeah. is that that's the perfect set dressing of just, you know, coat this entire ghetto-ass apartment in in decades-old lead paint, and there's holes in the walls, and uh, it's just gross. It's worse than the Candyman projects. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That, (laughs) that That bathroom in Candyman, damn. Um, With the spackling poop. But, um, so we see how bad they have it. We find out that Fool and Ruby's mom is sick and, and dying from something. Uh, we don't find out exactly what's going on just yet. So Fool goes to check on his mom, hears her crying. Ruby stops him at the door and tells him to go read his book, that there's nothing he can do. He walks away, <laughs> and suddenly Leroy. <laughs> like, no. Now, I gotta okay. say something before you go on. I mm-hmm. just want, I have a question. Do okay. you pity him? Who, Fool? Yeah. I feel bad for him, yeah. You pity the Fool? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see where you were going. <laughs> I pitted a fool. <laughs> I, I I wish Susie was here for this one part because in my head, when when Leroy just shows up, I hear suddenly Leroy to the tune of suddenly Seymour. No, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's yeah, that's what was going through my head too. But I wasn't going to sing it. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> every time, every time I try to sing some little clip of something that goes in my head I, on Raised by Rentals, I end up editing that part out <laughs> every single time. But yeah, it, it's like I want to know where Leroy came from because Fool was sitting in the apartment, and like we don't see Leroy there. He goes and checks on his mom. He returns to his seat, and there's Leroy just sitting in his apartment, <laughs> like did. Was he there the whole time? Did Fool just not notice? 
But he introduces himself as a friend of Ruby's. And he tells Fool that his mother is crying because they're being evicted. So they were three days late on their rent. And the fine print says, if you're, three, if you're late, you have to pay triple or get out. So he goes on to explain the landlord doesn't care about, about their situation, that, you know, his mother's sick, that uh, Ruby has kids. He don't care. Basically, they're the last family in the building. He wants them out so he can tear it down and build something else in its place. Um, so he, tell, he tells Fool, he goes, you know, do you got any money to kick in? And Fool obviously doesn't. He goes, well, if you're game, I got a way you can make some money. And I'm like, that came off really like pedo bear style. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that wasn't cool. <laughs> but cut to the spooky house of the landlords where we meet the man and the woman and their daughter Alice they're discussing getting Fool's family out of the building so they can tear it down and put up condos and this this line get nice clean people there I'm like oh gross so there, there's a lot of that racist style dialogue from these two so we we hate them right off the bat but uh, we see here how Alice cares about the, the about the people in the projects and her parents are clearly abusive to her. She's like, well, what happens to them when they don't, you know, when you kick them out of their homes? And she does that thing of, of good girls are seen and not heard. And it's just like, OK, you creepy bastard. Yeah. And is is the the man here eating like a human rib cage? Because that's yes. what it looks like. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. What did you guys think? Because he's got this rack of meat. And he literally like crunches down and goes, damn, buckshot, and pulls a buckshot out of his, his mouth. So it's like, <laughs> is that a person? <laughs> like, And we see a little later, he's not opposed to eating people meat. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah, I think this whole scene is, is setting, up, setting up exactly how creepy and screwed up these two are, right, with how scared uh, Alice is. And, yeah, like you said, what, what the the woman what she says you know to her in her nasty tone of voice and they're like burnt burning furniture and talking about getting more wood for their fire after they evict everyone from the building and right dudes like hunched over like a human rib cage full of like you know uh, buckshot from a shotgun and he's just uh grunting you know like an animal <laughs> over his kill to the well, point he- where like alice is like scared to like walk up to him he even says what when he talks about like getting him out and getting more because he goes she goes, good, we can tear it down and there'll be plenty of wood for my fireplace. And he goes, and money for meat. I was like, ew. <laughs> creepy. But uh, yeah, we, we now we cut to Fool coming home and we're treated to a montage of Hollywood skid row types. <laughs> we just see like people shooting up heroin in the open, drug deals happening. The one shifty, uh, you know, shifty eyed, long haired white dude that quickly puts on sunglasses and scurries away. <laughs> the drunken Mexican guy that's covered in <laughs> tattoos yelling at people like there's even dogs fighting over a bloody carcass right outside his apartment door. Yeah, this reminds me of that scene at the beginning of uh, Lean on Me with Morgan Freeman where uh, Welcome yeah. to the Jungle uh, comes on and then you see this like flash forward in time from like the nice pretty like high school from the 60s and then it's turned into this like ghetto hellhole where people <laughs> are like literally getting killed in the cafeteria of the high school. <laughs> You know, I, I I gotta say that genre of film is one of my favorite subgenres. The the inner city school crate like chaos of like Lean on Me, the Substitute, Class of nineteen eighty nine, well Class of nineteen ninety nine, one eight seven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like there's so many like fun movies and the the principal. <laughs> like, oh so yeah. Many- <laughs> fun movies in this weird genre of like you know 
parents don't know what hell the school has become. Like that type of a thing. That's like that was particularly the eighties and nineties. Like I, that that genre went away after that. Yeah, it, it's like the they cleaned up the high schools like they cleaned up Times Square or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but Fool comes into his apartment and he overhears Leroy talking to Ruby about his plan. Ruby wants Fool to have nothing to do with this. And we find out that Leroy and his friend Spencer want to rob their landlord. He explains how the guy is an evil dick. He owns half the buildings in the ghetto. And uh, he has a collection of rare gold coins hidden somewhere in his house that could be worth tons of money. Uh, he found out uh, he found a map to or oh, sorry, he found a map to the house and a um a letter talking to the coin dealer in the liquor store that he and Spencer robbed the previous night that was also owned by the the landlord. So, you know, basically the guy oversees everything in the ghetto and they're like, fuck you, we're going to take your money. Which can't really blame him. Um, so, you know, what? The, the man and woman kind of remind me of Smog sitting on his hoard of treasure. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of the, the look here we're going for. But so Fool doesn't want to help him. But what choice does he have? Now we get the, the, the sad scene of like Fool talking to his mom saying he's going to do whatever he can to help her out. And she tells him that uh, what, I forget what he says. He says, I'm going to one day I'm going to get you a Cadillac for each foot. And you're going to skate around town looking so bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally paused it and like, or I actually I backed it up like 10 seconds to read that again on the closed captioning. Cause I thought for sure it must've been a mistake. And then, nope, that's what he says. A Cadillac <laughs> for each foot. <laughs> and you're going to skate around town looking so bad. But again, th Weird. this is a testament to his acting ability. He can take a line that ridiculous and still deliver it and make it seem like something a kid would say. You know, it, it felt yeah, it felt yeah. right. Yeah, it did. It feels pretty natural. But uh, so we cut back to the landlord's house where we see mom interacting with Alice and it's all sorts of fucking creepy. She goes in to take her plate from from Alice, who was eating in her room. And the mom holds up the plate and she goes, did you lick this? And she's like, no. And she goes, do you love your mother? <laughs> I was like, I don't like this woman at all. But. Mom collects up the dishes and goes to leave and realizes her fork is missing. Alice panics, telling her she must have dropped it and immediately gets on the floor and starts checking next to the bed. The vent next to her bed opens and a creepy long fingernailed hand reaches out and gives her the fork. Alice tells her she found it and hands it over to, uh, to her mom right as her dad walks in and tells them that uh, I'm not going to say the word, but he uses some some horrible expletives here saying that they robbed the liquor store. He tells her how tense he is from this, and she asks, do you have one of your headaches? And he goes, oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. no, it's so creepy. <laughs> and she then yeah. tells him how Alice has been bad, that she's been feeding the thing in the walls again. This is where we hear Roach for the first time start moaning in the walls. And then uh, the woman tells him, don't bruise her face, and walks away as he's taking off his belt and Alice is cowering. And he tells yeah. her, bad girls go to hell. I'm like, fuck. Like, they, they, again, both of these actors are fucking phenomenal. But it is just so creepy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It just give me, gives me the willies every time. Ugh, these people are just, ugh, fucked up. <laughs> right. And they really are. And, and it's the thing, like, you'd think in the pantheon of horror, like you mentioned, like, I feel like these, these two need to get more credit for being really creepy villains. But... Anyway, so we cut back to Leroy and Spencer driving past the landlord's house. 
uh, while Fool goes in on foot dressed as a bear scout. Um, <laughs> he goes to the front door, <laughs> knocks on it. We see the mail slot kind of open next to him. I, I love that because it reminded me of Revenge of the Nerds. Like, what are you doing? Why are you here? Uh, I'm here about the room for not for red. I thought it was Fred. Fuck off. <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, I was, I was trying to, I was wondering this time, like, who was that? Was that the woman who was look, looking out because she clearly saw him there? Or was that like Roach or, or somebody? Because there's lots of little, little times throughout the movie where I'm sometimes not sure if that's Roach sneaking around and being a little weirdo, you know, or... <laughs> If it's one of the one of the the man or woman, because there's like so many weird little secret passageways in the house that it's right. not always not always clear which one of them is being a creep. <laughs> I think in this case, I think it was was Roach only because as soon as Fool goes to look, the 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 door closes and then you you hear like scurrying above him in the porch roof, and you see like the the light flicker and dust fall off of it. So it's like something mm-hmm. is clearly in the walls. Either yeah. that or maybe Roach was nearby and the woman looked out and he got freaked out and scurried. But either way. <laughs> so something's going on. A fool's like, what the fuck is this? Um, he goes around to the side door to try that. Where we see metal screens on all the windows and uh, and well, on all the windows going up the side of the house. Uh, it's that like heavy, like grating type, type screen and it's padlocked from the outside. So that's very strange. So no one answers. He looks around. We see Alice watching him uh, as he goes over to the pond in the backyard, which is going to come come into play a little later. Then finally, the woman comes out very annoyed. Fool gives her his pitch about selling cookies. He's like, was he selling for multiple sclerosis or something like that? Or scoliosis? I can't remember what he cerebral, said. It was cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. Oh, cerebral palsy. That's oh, what it yeah, was. yeah. And uh, I love her reaction, though. He's like. You know, I'm selling cookies. And she's like, no, no, shoot, 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 shoot. And she like scurries back to the door like she's afraid of him. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think afraid so much as that she's just she's afraid that he'll, he's going to like touch her or come too close to her because yeah. she's a racist twat and thinks that he's got some kind of like disease. Exactly. But the, the, the first reaction of no, 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 shoot, shoot, shoot. I was like, what? <laughs> like the way she delivers it. But he tells her he needs to use the bathroom and she refuses and closes the door on him and then watches out the window. <laughs> like, oh, she's again, I, I love her performance, but fool leaves. He tells her that's OK. And we cut to back. Uh, we cut back to Leroy, Spencer and fool in the van. Spencer is pissed that fool couldn't get inside and see if they had any alarms. And he decides that he's going to go in and check it himself. So we cue Spencer walking up to the house uh, disguised as a gas company employee. He explains to the woman that there's a gas leak in the neighborhood and he has to check the meter inside the house. She tells him that there's no meter in the house and he checks his master list saying, well, you're probably not even aware of it, but uh, it is on the master list here. And, you know, we do have the right to check it. She asks him for ID and he shows her and she notices the skull ring he's wearing. So she she realizes he's up to something. Yeah, well, she knew he was up to something anyway because his smarmy little pitch there was total bullshit. Like, what do you mean oh, yeah. there's a there's a there's a meter inside the house? Like, come on, man, you gotta come up with a better story than that. That's some stupid shit. Right. <laughs> well, she even called him out. She's like, no, there isn't. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, oh, you're probably not aware of it. But uh, so she, you know, she she knows he's full of shit, but she plays along anyway and lets him in. So we cut back to Leroy and Fool in the car, and Leroy thinks Spencer is up to something and planning to cut them out of it. So <laughs> suddenly we see the woman leaving the house, and they can't believe that she would leave Spencer alone in there, so they're figuring there must be someone else. 
And Leroy comments that Spencer should stick his head out and give them a signal. And Fool goes, maybe he's looking around a bit, making sure it's safe. I love this line because it's so fucking ridiculous. Leroy goes, maybe the president's going to make me the secretary of pussy. I was like, what? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and the way he de- he delivers it so seriously. Right? <laughs> oh, man. I laugh every time. So <laughs> Leroy thinks Spencer has taken the best loot for himself and tells Fool they're going in. So they pull the van up to the driveway. You know, they break in the back door and we, we notice here that Fool looks down and sees a like a hand stitched doll, like a little rag doll caught in a rat trap. And he's like, this isn't so smart. We need to get out of here. And then he tells them, he goes, this whole breaking and entering thing might not be so smart. It's my 13th birthday and it could be unlucky. And Leroy replies with 13th birthday is unlucky anyway. Too old to get tit, too young to get ass. Fucked either way. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, that could be said about several birthdays. <laughs> but okay he's just so, full of like cool like he's like full of these like uh semi-sexy one-liners i guess right like, so weird because <laughs> yeah, he says another one here because they see this huge metal door and leroy gets to work breaking it open fool's getting nervous and while he's looking around we see the doll in the trap get dragged back into the wall so something's going on and they break in the door and these shelves that were right next to the door suddenly slide back, revealing a bunch of windows covered in, in that metal grating. And Leroy makes this, he, his very comments, I'll pop this house's cherry. She's opening right up for me. <laughs> so for some reason, I keep getting like Marcellus Wallace vibes, like Tarantino, yeah, right. love this movie, put Ving Rhames in, you know, Pulp Fiction, because the way he was able to deliver these lines, like I know, he, you know, it's similar to the, you know, badass motherfucker lines that Samuel L. Jackson had, like, you yeah. know, there's just like just some smooth brothers in that movie, you know? Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's the one I always, I never mention when I talk about Ving Rhames, but yeah, Pulp Fiction. My God, such a great movie. But uh, just then, <laughs> Rottweiler attack. <laughs> we meet Prince the dog. <laughs> the dog is on Leroy, like, immediately. Fool yells to get his attention, and I love it because Fool goes, your mother sleeps with cats. <laughs> and the dog turns and rushes him. <laughs> so stupid. It pissed him off. Since I again, he's saying these horribly stupid lines and it works. I love it. But he jumps up on the on the door frame and pulls himself up as the dog runs underneath him. They then slam the door behind the dog, run into the house and slam the metal door and like uh, prop it up with a with a broom. They kind of st- or a mop. They they block it by the handle and then stick it in a drawer so they can't open the door. So it's all jammed closed. And then uh, Leroy looks out the window. And comments on how the dog's sitting right there. And Fool goes, he's probably trained to sit right there. He goes, and we sit in here. He goes, now we're trapped. And now we get a few things of note here. Uh, We see, as they look around the room, we see a pile of dead flies by the window. Like, none of these windows have been opened. Um, They see the uh, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil sign. Leroy comments on how someone needs a bath bad. So we know that the house smells. And uh, there's something moving in the walls that Leroy writes off as rats. He says, it's nice to know that rich people have rats, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And before they got into this little room where before the dog came and attacked him, um, and, and maybe you mentioned it, <laughs> uh, but we saw that uh, the name Robeson has shown up twice so far. Yes. Like it's the Robeson funeral home. Um, 
And so, yeah, the, it was once they saw it outside on like a sign that was sort of hanging from like a mailbox or something. And then we saw it again in that room full of flowers. Mm. Like, and it's clear that this house at some point had been a funeral home. And we'll, we're going to see some more of that later yeah. on. Like there, there's uh, some evidence of it. But, uh, yeah, I just thought it was interesting that even though the characters are known as just man and woman, they they may have this last name. Like this could be their house and could be their last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'll mention it later on, but there's even a first name mentioned for the man at one point, which I never noticed before again until the close captions this time. See, I, I you know, I, I read that in the trivia and I, I totally forgot what his name was. Uh, I'll just throw it out now. So, uh, later, way later on in the movie, and we'll get there, like toward like the in the middle of like the big like final conflict, uh, in the cellar, the the, the woman yells out, uh, Eldon. Like E-L-D-O-N is how it it was spelled in the the closed captioning. And so after that, I was – even though that's pretty close to the end of the movie, I started like going back and trying to find out if they had ever mentioned the name for the woman. But I I didn't see anything. But yeah, apparently the man's name is Eldon Robeson. Right. Creepy, creepy fuckers. Even the name doesn't sound right. But yeah, so uh, Fool wants to get the hell out of the house, but Leroy convinces him they need the money, they or that he needs the money uh, for Ruby and his mother. They hear something upstairs and think it's it's Spencer, so they go off to investigate. Fool tells Leroy that he doesn't think they should go upstairs. Leroy mocks him for being scared and tells him to stay downstairs and keep an eye out while he continues to find or he continues upstairs to find Spencer. Fool hears some thumping coming from the basement after Leroy already went upstairs and goes to look through a peephole in the door. And he sees Spencer's clipboard and lighter laying on the stairs. He unlocks the many locks on the basement door, which would immediately give me pause, and goes down there to look for Spencer. Picks up the clipboard and lighter, calls out for Spencer, and sees flashes of light and hears grumbling voices. And I love it because Fool goes, I ain't stupid, and bolts upstairs. I'm like, that's the correct response to this. That's how you respond to that situation. And then he immediately like reneged on that and did yep. a dumb a dumb thing. Yep, because he remembers Leroy mocking him, going, "Well, maybe you're too chicken shit for this type of work." And he goes back in the basement. Once he's halfway down the stairs, we see a string pull and shut the door, latching it behind him, locking him in the basement. And now we hear uh, we hear a voice. The subtitles say "indistinct voice," but it sounds like they're either saying "fool" or "food." I'm pretty sure it's food because of what they say later. Yeah. But the first time I heard this, I'm like, how do they know his name? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, wait, maybe they're saying food. Because, yeah, that wouldn't have made sense if they knew his name was Fool. So he sees a caged off area like a cell with a television facing toward the cell. He pulls the TV back and goes to look inside with his lighter. But something blows the flame out from the other side. He quickly moves away. Suddenly flashlights are shined on him from inside the cell. And we hear these moaning voices calling out. He runs and trips over something that turns out to be Spencer, who is laying there dead, his skin ashen and his hair white. This is another thing uh, Wes Craven is a big fan of, is turning people's hair white from fright. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. I, I gotta say, I think this is the thing I like the least about the entire movie. It's, Same. It seemed really, like, far-fetched and unnecessary. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have been fine with him being dead, like maybe the woman killed him, have, have him with a knife in his back or something like that. Mm-hmm. But he was dead from fear. And um, he's, we see that there's a gold coin held in his hand. Fool picks up the coin and, and you know, and it looks like, you know, he's shocked. Holy shit, the coins are real. 
And then suddenly the people in the cell or the people under the stairs start to drag Spencer in. Fool kicks at the cell and pulls Spencer out and finds his hand to be partially eaten. Then suddenly Roach. (laughs) Roach jumps on Fool's back. Fool struggles and throws him off while the others in the cell watch and cheer. Fool runs up the stairs, which collapse into a slide, knocking him back down into the basement. He gets up, sees Roach coming for him and runs up the ramp, pounding on the door. I, I couldn't figure out why Roach jumped on him. Like, what, what was the point of that? Was he like trying to attack him and eat him or get his attention? Or I, I didn't get it. Like, what was the point of just jumping on him like a monkey? Right. I honestly, I took it as like Roach was playing with him. <laughs> like, you know, because <laughs> maybe he's still kind of a kid. He's just like, oh, hey, a buddy. <laughs> you know? But um, he's pounding on the door. Alice opens the basement door. Fool jumps out, closes it before Roach can grab him again, and then he locks up the basement. He looks around, but Alice is gone. He hears the car pull up outside, goes and looks out the window, and we see the man and the woman getting out of the car in the driveway, uh, being greeted by the Rottweiler prince. They see the van in the driveway and know something is up. Fool runs upstairs to get Leroy and finds him laying at the end of the hall with his face in a vent. So Fool slowly creeps up on him you know obviously thinking he's dead he goes Leroy and I love it because Leroy jumps back his, his his expression and his line delivery here are perfect he goes Jesus you you scare the shit out of me like his voice <laughs> goes up and down and then he goes I thought you were dead you were just laying there he goes a man ain't dead just because he's laying on the floor <laughs> what <laughs> I laughed so fucking hard at that line. Oh, my God. So Leroy tells him that he was listening, stating that there's something in the walls. Fool tells him the people who live here are back, and he tells him Spencer is dead, that he was scared to death. And he goes, you sure? He goes, you thought he was white before. You should see him now. (laughs) I I feel like that's the whole reason that they made him scared to death was for that line. Probably. Yeah, you you definitely got to give uh, you definitely got to give what's his name Brandon Quinn Adams a credit like we said before. But he, man, he's just racking up like that credit toward uh, his acting chops because yeah, some of this dialogue is super clunky and and like I don't I don't know that the movies you guys tell me but does it successfully ride the line between being creepy and kind of fun and goofy like you know like like Evil Dead Two or is it just corny you know i i can't quite decide i feel it rides the line because i because and and the reason i say that is because the the jokes i i genuinely find funny like the funny moments i laugh at so like like i said leroy's you know reaction here this whole scene i find goofy some of the physical uh like the three stooges style comedy with everett mcgill i find hilarious in some of the scenes there's a scene toward the end with um the woman that I laugh really hard at every damn time. So I I feel like it definitely rides that line of like, this is still really creepy and the comedy is hitting right where I'm not groaning at it. So I I would, I would give it a pass. 
Yeah, so I think I am yeah. groan. I think I am groaning at it. Like I'm, I'm still really enjoying the movie, um, but I, th- <laughs> I think I'm groaning more than I'm laughing with the movie. You know, I'm, I'm laughing at the movie more mm-hmm. than I am with the movie, and uh, <laughs> I, I almost wish they would have leaned more into the humor because when it's creepy, it's so creepy that yeah. I, th- I think it needs it needs the humor, whether it works or not. I definitely think that it was the right choice, you know, to put the humor in the movie. Otherwise, it oh, would yeah. just be so depressing. I mean, it would just be one of those icky movies that you don't want to watch a second time, you know, like I Spit yeah. on Your Grave or something like that. And, uh, it's, yeah, it lightens the mood enough to make the movie enjoyable without focusing so much on the really, uh, yeah, yucky stuff. The the child uh, torture. <laughs> hey, I was I was trying to not like point it out and say the quiet part out loud, but you're just like you mean the molestation and pedophilia that like, exactly yes, that's what I was. <laughs> that's what I was getting at. <laughs> Gotta be subtle over here, jeez. <laughs> no, no, there's no subtlety on this show. <laughs> yeah, no, and, well, and that's the thing. Like without that type of of humor thrown in, they that part of the movie would just be like, Jesus Christ, I can't do that. I can't watch this again. You know, it would remind me of there's a movie I can't watch. Just I I saw the trailer and I read the synopsis and I'm like, nope, I can't do it. But the girl next door, I refuse to watch that movie. And it's for that reason. You know, I'm like, I can't watch an hour and a half of someone being tortured and molested and, you know, treated subhuman. Like, I can't deal with that. So... I, I think, yeah, having the crazy tricks and traps and, you know, the silly line deliveries and the the goofy Three Stooges style physical comedy, I think really elevated this film. And, and, and I think that's one of the things that keeps it kind of in the mindset of horror fans, because it does ride that evil deadline where it's like it's so absurd at parts that it's just it's memorable. You know. But anywho, so. <laughs> They go to check back and see if the man and woman are. Or the, uh, they go to the to to check the back door to try to get out and see the man and woman trying to get in. Uh, they run to go out the front, and I love this because Fool grabs the knob of the front door and is electrocuted and thrown to the side, where he just lays there going, "Oh!" Like he just <laughs> groans. Meanwhile, the owners pry the bottom of the door open enough to let uh, let the dog in. And Leroy tells Fool to stand out in the open and get the dog's attention. And when he comes in, he'll hit him with the crowbar. And I love how this plays out because Fool's just standing there. Prince runs in and starts growling. And he just goes, "Uh uh-oh. And Leroy pops his head up out of his hiding spot and goes, is he there? (laughs) And the dog rushes him. You dare, like, man, what a great cat burger this guy is. He's just like hiding behind the couch and we can't even like look around. <laughs> and he's got he's got a crowbar. Like, why didn't he? Why didn't he stand in the middle of the room right. and wait wait for you know the dog to run in and then just bash it with a crowbar? I mean, exactly. Why? Why? What's with the couch hiding? Like, is he really such a puss? <laughs> <laughs> because then we couldn't have this great comedic scene where Fool grabs Leroy, who also has the dog. And drags him over to the front door, grabs the doorknob, and electrocutes all three of them. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, yeah, th- that's probably the the most like silly Stooges esque you know thing in the movie too, where he's just like, here, let me just electrocute myself again after he was just complaining how badly it hurt, and then you know, like they're just like, I'm surprised we didn't see their skeletons come through their skin, you know, yeah. like <laughs> like Marv in Home Alone two, you know. Yes. <laughs> uh, I love it though, because oh god, Morris. 
was going to say, the dog, I don't know if you guys know, will know what I'm talking about, but the dog sounded like Rowdy Rowdy Piper when he was acting all crazy in the ring. He'd make that noise. Like, I didn't make the, the Rowdy Rowdy Piper connection, but I love the dog because he does that. Round, round, round. Yeah. That's what Rowdy Rowdy Piper sounded like when he was like acting like really crazy in the ring. If he's like biting one of his opponents. I was like, it sounds just like Rowdy Rowdy Piper. <laughs> That's awesome. I'll just try to find a song clip. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so the dog is, is laid out. And Fool and Leroy run upstairs just as the owners get the door open. And the man comes running inside. They try to find, or they try to get out the windows, but they're bolted shut and they can't break the glass. They look downstairs and see the man and the woman. The man is loading a rather large gun and getting ready to hunt for them. He comments, "The people under the stairs got so, uh, got the so-called gas man, so they must be upstairs." And I was like, "Ah, oh, he said the thing. Yeah, <laughs> he said the title." <laughs> I love it. So Leroy and Fool look for a hiding spot. Leroy hides in the closet and pushes Fool out, saying, "No room." Fool looks around frantically, and we see the man flip a switch on a control panel, which will come into play many times in this movie. Um, and all of the doors slam shut, locking, and the whole house is thrown into darkness. So now, oh, and, and uh, security panels fall over the windows. So Fool's trapped in the hallway with nowhere to go. He hides around the, the corner by the vent and just kind of waits. We see, the, we see the man come upstairs with a flashlight and look around. We see Leroy in the closet... And we hear Roach in the walls kind of moaning. He turns to look. A panel opens up and Roach pops out, scaring the shit out of Leroy, who jumps out into the hallway. The man spots him, shoots him. Leroy yells with his dying breath, run, fool. And then he falls downstairs dead. The man and the woman cheer and dance around excitedly. And I love this part because he goes, did you hear what he called me? And she goes, he called you a fool. And he goes, he's the fool. Like his, <laughs> his delivery. It's fucking funny <laughs> as hell. But Fool watches horrified as the woman tells the man to check upstairs because there might be a mess. And he goes, oh, don't want a mess. Got to keep a clean house. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> you, you have dead flies everywhere. Yeah, their house is disgusting. It was just like, right. I was getting like, I was like, you know, uh, getting like goosebumps in some, in some scenes. Not because it was creepy, because I was just like, I hey, didn't touch that. Gross. Like, uh, right. Stop. You're going to get stop. tetanus. Exactly. Every, and every every time Roach like touched uh, a fool or tried to shake his hand or show him something, I'm just like, ah, wash your hands. Ah, oh, God. His hands are black like gangrene. <laughs> exactly. It's like, no, I don't like it. Oh, man. So <laughs> he goes, fool, fool run. I'm uh, uh, sorry. The man um, goes to check upstairs and fool runs and hides and finds a candle at the end, end of the hallway where the, the vent was, along with a little doll. And um, the doll is pulled into the vent at the end of the hall. So Fool follows it inside or follows inside the vent where we where we find a dog dish, some dirty clothes and a bloody human rib cage. <laughs> Why? He, Why? Why? Why is that there? <laughs> I'm going to guess like maybe Prince hangs out in the walls to try to like catch Roach. But maybe. yeah, weird. it it, so it, it was very strange. So we see the, the doll being pulled by a rope down down a passageway, and we see it's it's being pulled by Alice. So she she looks at Fool, she closes the panel at the end of the hall. So he goes, you know, scurrying down the passageway toward Alice, 
And uh, we or he starts to, to look down the passageway toward Alice. And then we hear the man coming down the hall. So he pokes his head into the into the vent. Fool scurries away. And the man just shoots a bunch of shots into the wall going, get back down to the basement, you little bastard. It's <laughs> like he's just shooting his house up. But Fool pops out into the other hallway and finds the only open room in that hall as a bathroom where we meet where he meets Alice. So we find out here that Alice has never been outside. She tells Fool that sh- that no one has ever gotten out. Um, she then, then tells him about the people in the basement. She says, Mommy and Daddy were looking for a, or looking a lo- for a long time for the perfect boy child. But each one they found turned out bad. Some saw things they weren't supposed to. Others heard too much. Others talked back. And as she's saying it, she's cover- <clears throat> she's covering her eyes, ears, and mouth. Like, you know, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil, that whole thing. And she goes, Daddy had to cut out the bad parts and put the boys in the cellar one by one. And he goes, when they, or she goes, when they get flashlights and food of some kind, I suppose they're happy in their own way. I'm like, what Ugh. the fuck? <laughs> so he asks Alice, why haven't you been put in the cellar? And she tells him, I do not see or hear or speak evil and just looks terrified. Hmm. Suddenly we hear Roach screaming and Alice explains to Fool that that. Uh, bleh, that that's or that daddy hates Roach because he got out of the cellar and into the wall. So that's why he hunts him. Smash cut to daddy in a full blown gimp suit with a fucking riot shotgun shooting oh holes my. in the wall. <laughs> this, this guy is just this guy's something else. He's mentally deranged. <laughs> it's, it was really fucking disturbing watching him run around in that suit. But. Alice tries to show Fool a secret panel in the cupboard leading deeper into the house. He hears Roach and refuses to go in. He tells her that he wants to get out, and she's like, sometimes in is out. So basically, you got to go deeper into the house to escape later. Um, Fool tries to escape back out into the hallway, but sees Daddy running out of the one of the rooms and into another one. So he heads back into the bathroom, and Alice is now gone, and the panel won't open anymore. So he hides in the shower behind the curtain. Downstairs, we see uh, the woman giving Prince a uh, a chunk of Spencer's severed hand. I was like, that's fucking gross. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, what did she say? Something like uh, happy Prince is a happy home or something like that. It's like, yeah, oh, you're just yeah. fucking creepy. But yeah. outside, we see cops pull up into the driveway and uh, they're checking out the van. They're saying that how it fits a description of a vehicle used in a liquor store robbery the previous night. So the woman gets on the intercom and calls out, uh, she, she says, Daddy, police are out back. So he goes and changes out of his gimp suit. <laughs> we see Fool uh, go to get out of the tub and he falls, alerting Prince that there's someone upstairs. He then tries to pound on the window to get the cop's attention, but they can't hear him. So the window's soundproof, you know, whatever. But he, no, like you see from outside, you can't hear, you can't hear Fool at all. Um, so the man and woman come out and talk to the cops. They ask about the van and, and they tell them that it was just there when they came home and that they saw two men, one black, one white, walking down the driveway as they approached. And she thought they must be servicemen. The cops went, want to check in the house saying, you know, while there's been a lot of break ins recently, you know, this clearly sounds like uh, they were up to something. They were casing your house. And the other guy says that they were working on your door. And she goes, oh, we already checked the house, already even checked under the beds. It's all clean. So they decide to sweep the neighborhood and see if they can go catch him. And uh, oh, and this is where they tell 
the man and the woman that the the van was used in a liquor store robbery the night before. And you see the man's eyes light up because he realizes they got the bastards who broke into his liquor store. So. Mm -hmm. But the woman looks in the back of the van as the cops take off and sees the Bear Scout uniform and realizes Fool is with Leroy and Spencer. She comments that he's inside right now with their little angel. And the man does something here that's really fucking gross. He picks up Fool's discarded shorts and sniffs them. Yeah. What the fuck, man? (laughs) Like, it's so (laughs) gross. Oh, so back inside, we see Fool run for the hatch in the wall that he came out of. But we see Prince in there searching. The dog (laughs) rushes him and, uh, you know, uh, Fool starts kicking at him, trying to keep him in the passage. And he goes, God, what are they feeding you? And then dog coughs up the skull ring. Like on cue. <laughs> he was just waiting for him. <laughs> so Fool runs for it back in the bathroom. Prince is right on his heels. And I love it. He turns and punches the dog in the face. <laughs> and then closes and locks the door. I'm like, damn, Fool just clocked a dog. That's what Leroy should have done, man. I'm telling you, he should have just fucking hit that dog. Right. <laughs> oh, man. So now. Uh, fool is trapped in, in the bathroom. Suddenly, the man shoots a hole in the door and pokes his head in, and Fool cracks him in the head with the back of the, the toilet. So the, the lid off the back of the toilet tank. Huh. <laughs> I love I love the man's reaction because he falls back out. He's like, oh, just groaning. And Fool goes, you come back in here, I'll bust you with the jaw. And he looks at him like, fuck you say? <laughs> He gets up so calm <laughs> and never takes his eyes off a fool. He just reaches in and starts to unlock the door. And then suddenly the medicine cabinet flings open. Roach pops out and drags uh, fool into the wall, laughing at the man and closes the medicine cabinet. Man freaks out trying to open the, the passage, but now it's just a medicine cabinet. So he shoots it open. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we got, hang on. We got to talk about the fucking passageways in the walls of this house because (laughs) what the fuck right Mm -hmm. who is building these passageways that that's that was my question the entire time i'm watching the movie this last time because there are so many secret passageways there's spaces in between the walls there's no insulation in the walls it's just like you know slat board behind you know, like whitewash, it looks like, and it's an Mm old-ass house. Passageway is big enough for people to, like, live in, walk through, climb in. And then it's, like, every cabinet in the kitchen and medicine cabinet in the bathroom and, like, the hood stove and probably the oven itself, too. They all have, like, doors behind them to, like, get (laughs) out and then go into the walls. I have so many questions, so many questions about why the passageways are there, how there are so many little doorways and hatches all over the place, who built them. It couldn't have been Roach. When I was a kid, I was thinking it was Roach who was like making little like tunnels for himself. But as an adult, I'm like, that's preposterous. You know, like right. clearly the man built this or somebody in the family before they owned the house did it. And it's just it's so creepy. <laughs> See, I'm going to go ahead and assume uh, just based on something that uh, that old grandpa Bill Cobb says um, later on when he talks about how each generation in that family was crazier than the last. Right. And I'm going to go ahead and assume that they they just, they added and did weird shit to that house over the generations. 
and just kept adding like passages and trap doors. And like, we find that the trap door in the basement and there's like the cell in the basement. And like, I feel like this, this bloodline is just fucking insane. And they were just like, yeah, let's put a cubby hole here and make a secret passage. And how about a slide that leads to the kitchen? (laughs) Like, yeah, I, I could see the, these crazy inbred lunatics thinking like that. But yeah, but you're you're right. There's that whole question of like, why are they there in the first place? And my question was, why didn't the man know about them all? You know, like if he lived there and he knows yeah. about some of the secret passages, why didn't he know about all the other ones? Yeah, I agree. And it's I, obvious that they know Roach is living in the walls. He knows where some of the hatches are. They have a ton of their own little secret compartments and stuff in the walls because they have all that machinery that, like, you know, turns the stairs into slides and locks mm-hmm. the doors. And, like, they open up a little cabinet and there's, like, a electrical toggle box and a, and a uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, intercom. Uh, intercom. Jeez, I can't think today. My brain stopped working halfway through that <laughs> sentence. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there's like alarm. So obviously they have all this infrastructure built into the house. I feel like he probably does know about it. And maybe he's just like so fucking lazy because he's too busy eating like human rib cages in front of a fire <laughs> fire of like burning pianos. that He like just can't be bothered to climb into the walls and chase after Roach. Like he doesn't care. As long uh, as he as long as Roach can't get out of the house. I mean, does it really matter? Yeah, he just keeps throwing prints in the walls after him. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like once he shoots the the freaking medicine cabinet open, he, he just throws Prince in again. <laughs> He's like, "Go get him, kill!" And uh, we see Roach and Fool run through the walls. Roach is guiding him. They pass Roach's hideout. I, I do like that little scene where we see all the Christmas lights and like the makeshift bed. And Fool just goes, "This is your place." And Roach is like, "Uh huh." <laughs> and they keep going. <laughs> and then, uh, so we uh, we kind of get guided to this one hallway. And then Roach stops Fool. We see the dog turn around the corner and start to walk toward them, growling. Roach throws one of Alice's dolls toward the dog. He bites it and stops. And then Roach pulls a lever, which opens a trap door beneath uh, Prince. And he falls on, like, a cabinet and starts going down a slide. (laughs) Now... Okay, again, why, why is the slide in the wall? Like, who put that there? <laughs> and why does it lead down to the kitchen? But I, I love this scene because we see uh, the man and the woman talking in the kitchen. And <laughs> he's explaining that he sent Prince into the walls after uh, after Fool and Roach. And um, we hear the, <laughs> and they're like, wait, do you hear something? <laughs> and then the kitchen cabinet opens up. The dog comes flying out and then sits there and just goes like the, little, <laughs> the grumble and they see the, the doll in the dog's mouth and the mom says they've gotten to Alice. So we cut to Alice's room. We see Ro- Roach and Fool come out of the vent. And this is where we find out that Roach had his tongue cut out, which always fucking freaked me out as a kid because, you know, Fool comments to Alice. He doesn't talk much, does he? And she goes, oh, well, daddy cut his tongue out. And Roach sticks his tongue out and shows that it's chopped. It's like, mm-hmm. Ooh. But uh, we then see all of the dolls that uh, that Alice makes. And we find out how, um, you know, she she makes them to uh, to hold the souls of all the people who have died in the house. And Didn't she um, say of all the thieves or all the people who tried to. Yeah, the house? 
because he sees Spencer and Leroy's dolls. And um, she said that, yeah, it, it's to hold the souls of all the people who died in the house. Workmen, salesmen, thieves, anyone who saw too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love this because Fool goes, your father's one sick mother, you know that? He goes, actually, your mother's one sick mother, too. <laughs> and she goes, you know, he would kill you if he heard you say that. And then suddenly, Daddy busts through the door and starts attacking Fool. And Roach tries to escape back into the wall. Uh, mommy just runs in and grabs Alice and begins screaming and shaking her like Mommy Dearest. Then uh, we see the man shoots the wall, like hitting Roach, but Roach continues into the wall. So he then grabs Fool, or he, he holds Fool captive, asking his wife what to do. And she tells him it's time to clean house, total spring cleaning. We cut to the man making Fool drag Leroy's corpse down into the basement. He then throws Fool into the basement, um, turns the slide into the stairs, and slides Leroy down into the basement. Now we cut to Mommy upstairs forcing Alice to scrub Leroy's blood off the floor. And this scene is really disturbing because she, like, throws Alice through the blood. And I don't know if that, that fall was planned or if that was just the actress slipping in blood, but she hits hard. Oh, yeah, it really looks like she just slipped and, like, kept going. Like, she just, you know, she kept it in, like, when uh, Bill Murray slips and Scrooged and, like, they just kept filming. Right. Because, <laughs> yeah, because she, she hits hard. And, you know, she's trying to scrub the blood and Mommy's, like, freaking out, you know, going on about how, uh, you know, you children will be the death of me. She's like, the the one's in the basement and one in the walls doing his business God knows where. Like, she's just having a fucking breakdown. <laughs> And you know, she, she's not wrong. She says, you kids will be the death of me. You know, foreshadowing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so back in the basement, we see Fool chained up while the man carves up Leroy and is eating some of him. I was like, okay, so now we don't have to question. He's definitely a cannibal. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he cuts some of Leroy's meat off and throws it to the people under the stairs. And he tells Fool, I keep him real hungry. And now we cut back upstairs to the scene, the, the scene that in this movie that scares me the most. This scene always freaks me out. We see a scalding hot bathtub and mm. Alice gets dragged in there by her mother. Mm. Yeah. And she starts screaming at her about how she got blood all over her nice dress. And she goes, get in there and scrub yourself. And she goes, no, it's, it's hot. And she throws her and slams her in the tub and she just starts screaming. And then mm. she grabs like a wire brush and starts scrubbing her. I was like, oh, God, like as a kid that terrified me. And as an adult, it freaks me out even more. Yeah. It's like, oh, I hate it. But down in the basement, we see the man drop Leroy's corpse into a pool with a bunch of other rotted corpses that's like under the house. So it's like it's like poo water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, corpse juice. <laughs> it it remind. This is the second movie this month where we've had a corpse being stored under the floor with poop. <laughs> <laughs> this this is a theme with home invasion movies for some reason. But yeah, so he dumps Leroy's corpse in there and then throws Fool into the cell with the other kids. Upstairs, we hear Alice, uh, or we see Alice, and we see her skin is fucking red and raw. She's covered in a in like a white bathrobe and cowering from her mother. Um, the man comes in and tells her that fool is dead meat, that he's letting the people under the stairs kill him. And I was like, ah, he said the thing again. 
Back in the cell, we see the people under the stairs surrounding Fool, like snapping their teeth at him and swiping at him, when suddenly they hear something coming from the hatch where Leroy was thrown. They all run over and look out, and we see his dead body rising up going, oh, <laughs> the kids freak out and run away. So they all go and hide, and then we see Roach holding up the body. So he runs over, gets the key, lets Fool out, but locks the door again. So my question here is, does Roach not trust the other kids? Like, does he think that they'll try to eat him? Like, I, yeah. I, he I kept question. Up. Yeah, like, why didn't he just let him out right then? Like, or at any point previously to this, uh, before, like, this day, you know, before the movie yeah. even occurs. I, like, how, why didn't Roach just let them out? Like, I understand that maybe the man would have killed them all, but just for like the sheer numbers, like they probably could have just gotten out, you know, we see, and we'll, you know, we'll get to that. Right. We, we see that that's kind of what happens anyway, but right. Yeah, it, it's so weird, you know, or even in this sequence when he's saving, uh, saving fool, but not letting them out. I mean, maybe again in the past, maybe they were afraid of the man and he didn't want to let him out and cause a, a big, you know, uh, a big hassle for everyone. But clearly there's something going on here enough where Roach is now getting involved you know, yeah. and hel- helping fool. And so like, Hey man, like they started this thing, like you got to see it through. So I don't, yeah, I don't understand what Roach is up to here. doesn't make a lot of yeah. sense. That, that always confused me. Even as a kid, I was like, well, why doesn't he let them all out? You know, like, <laughs> cause it just in my head as a kid, I was like, but he's one of them. Let them all out. Like they're, they're all in the same boat, but yeah, who knows what, what the reason was. But uh, the man sends Prince down to guard the kids, warning them to shut up or he'll let them in there. And uh, Roach leads Fool into an inactive furnace. So they both hide in the furnace. Now, we see here how badly Roach is actually hurt. Like, he's bleeding from the gut. So he tells him, we need to get you to a hospital. And Roach just, you know, shakes his head no. Like, he knows he's dying. He pulls out a bag of the, the gold coins and hands them to Fool. And then writes Alice in the soot on the side of the furnace and points up the the shaft like the vent leading out of the furnace and uh he goes alice is up there and and roach nods and then he kind of sputters and falls dead so bye bye roach so fool heads up the vent to find alice but prince follows him from floor to floor barking at him at the vents trying to get at him uh we find daddy threatening alice screaming at her wanting to know what she told fool meanwhile prince is outside the door barking (laughs) i love this scene (laughs) Because he opens the door and goes, shut the fuck up, and just closes the door again. <laughs> and the dog does. He shuts the fuck up. <laughs> he's like, oh, he told me. But as soon as he turns back around, Fool runs out of the vent and punches him in the dick. I'm like, that is fantastic. <laughs> he literally dick punched him. And, and this he deserves is, it. It really, yeah, he really did. But th- this is like, the start of the physical comedy was the the toilet tank breaking over his head. And this continues to happen to Everett McGill throughout the movie. And I fucking love it. <laughs> so he gets hit in the dick and he drops to his knees going, oh, God. And then Fool grabs a lamp and breaks it over his head. And uh, the two of uh, Alice and Fool escape into the walls. In the basement, we see uh, we see the man go like or we we see they're in, they're in the walls and then we cut to the basement the man comes down there, finds Roach's body in the furnace, and burns it. 
Uh, he tells him, burn in hell for getting free and burn in hell for showing the way. And he cranks up the heat and we see the vent that Allison and Fool are in starting to fill with smoke and get hot. So uh, they, they end up having to break out of the vent and get into the walls. So in the walls, Fool sneezes and Daddy begins shooting at them. <laughs> so <laughs> they run through the walls trying to be quiet and almost run into a spike trap. Again, this is one of those things like, how big is this fucking house? Like you mentioned the TARDIS thing earlier. Yeah. Because it's like, this is a whole wing of the house that like has traps in it. <laughs> like you just yeah. see an empty room with a sliding spike trap. Why, why is that there? Like, who put that there? What is that for? <laughs> it's like, I, I feel like, you know, the man was setting up these giant roach traps <laughs> throughout his house. But I got to say, I love Wes's love of booby traps. I really do. Because he has some crazy ones in so many of his movies. But uh, the man once more throws Prince into the walls to chase after Fool. Fool decides this time he's going to take a stand and fight the dog. <laughs> Prince tackles him and they start fighting back and forth. And daddy is listening, trying to pinpoint where in the walls they are. He goes into this really fucking weird room. Now, okay. I, I, I don't know if you guys paid close attention to this room, but all along the walls are, are like small black and white photos with X's over them. There's a framed photo of Ronald Reagan there's newspaper clippings, pictures of Jesus and statues of Jesus and candles everywhere. Like, what the hell was up with this room? Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole answer. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah, well, I don't think it makes any more sense than a room that is built specifically to have a giant like spike trap just in case somebody happened to be inside the wall in that one specific location. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Right. <laughs> well, it's just like this whole wing of the house confuses me. But uh, the man starts stabbing at the walls with a bayonet. Fool almost gets hit several times until he grabs Prince and slams him up against the wall right as the man stabs through. <laughs> Fool moans like he got hit. Daddy pulls the blade out and it's covered in blood. And I love that shot. I got I got to give it to them. When when he slowly slides the bayonet out of the wall and just mm -hmm. blood starts pooling up and dripping off of it. That it was a really cool shot. Sure. I got him. I got him. <laughs> 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 the, the got him dance. Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah, because he goes downstairs and starts dancing around with his shotgun that has a bayonet on it. And he's like, I got him, I got him, I got him. <laughs> and Bobby just goes, prove it. And so he grabs her and rushes upstairs. Um, Alice and Fool see some light coming from the ceiling and head up into the walls. And meanwhile, Daddy tries to prove he killed Fool and busts the wall open. Prince lolls out going like <laughs> just fucking dies. <laughs> I love his, his reaction because he goes oh shit and she screams you killed Prince. <laughs> oh but he, he, the look on his face again like the, these two <laughs> are great. So Alice and Fool end up in the attic while the man and woman are downstairs arguing. Fool finds an open window and tells Alice they have to climb down and she tells him there's nothing to hold on to. So then he remembers the water in the garden and realizes it's right under that section of the roof. 
Alice tells him she doesn't know how deep it is and begins to panic. Now, I never noticed this as a kid. I thought she was just afraid of the height. But she says, like, she goes, what's out there? What's out? And she starts freaking out. So she's never been outside. Oh, so yeah. Just the concept of going outdoor, like, it was like almost like agoraphobia all of a sudden. Like, she was just terrified of being out there around other people. But right then, while she's panicking, Daddy comes barging in and fool heads out the window. He shoots at him, but Alice grabs his, his shotgun, like, you know, making him miss. And uh, fool jumps for it right off the roof and lands into the pond below. Daddy runs outside shooting at Fool. Fool jumps the fence yelling for Alice that he'll be back. The woman comes outside and scolds him for shooting his gun outside. Again, this is so creepy. She's like, Daddy, don't shoot your gun outside. And then he comes walking. He goes, <laughs> he, he got away. And she goes, get inside. And go, bad boy. And she takes his gun and goes, get in your suit. I'm like, oh, God. Ah, that's so weird. <laughs> this is all gross. I don't like it. But we cut to Fool at home talking with Ruby and his grandfather, good old Bill Cobbs. And uh, he tells him if the coins had come from anyone else, he'd tan his hide right there and make him take him straight back. Then tells him that due to the rarity of these coins, that not only could they pay their rent until the year 2000, but also pay for his mother's operation. So they plan to get her to the hospital and take the coins to the dealer in the morning. We now get this is where we get the backstory about old mommy and daddy. And we find out that they're actually brother and sister. Uh, like you were talking about at the top, Maurice, this is like the uh, the reveal moment. And um, this is where we also find out that how each generation has been crazier than the last. They say the thing started out with a family running a funeral home, selling cheap coffins for expensive prices. They then got into real estate and started making a lot of money off of taking over people's homes. The more money they got, the greedier they got, the greedier they got, the crazier they got. He goes on to tell them that there were all sorts of rumors about that house and what happened in there, but they could never prove it, so the police never took it seriously. So basically, this shit's been going on for a long fucking time. Mm -hmm. So we see Fool sitting by his mother's bed, and Ruby comes in and asks him what's wrong. He tells her that he was just telling Mama that he did something really bad, but he has to make it right. She tells him that she did the tarot cards on him again, and they came up really scary. She tells him not to go messing with those people again. He says he has to. He has to do what's right. And besides, he made a promise to Alice and he intends to keep it. And we see him leave. Now we cut to him at a payphone. I was like, wow, payphone. I haven't seen one of those in a while. Oh. <laughs> it ages the movie too, just like Bing Rams' outfit. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he goes to the payphone, calls 911, and reports child abuse. Now we cut to the cops investigating the man in the woman's house. And they're being gracious hosts, giving the cops coffee and cookies and have tricked them into thinking that they have no kids and that it was all just a prank call. Uh, the cops do find Alice's room and the woman convinces them that she died long ago and they haven't touched the room ever since. You know, and she goes, in a way, it's like she still lives here and always will. And she looks up at the ceiling. I'm like, oh, you fucking bitch. <laughs> so creepy. And always will. I was okay, like, I so. <laughs> so. I would like to know why or how the police did not see any of the many, many, many holes that the man shot into <laughs> the walls of his own house with a shotgun. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> what happened to those? Smell of gun smoke, anything. They don't smell the rotting corpses and <laughs> unwashed masses of cannibal children in the basement. <laughs> Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it, th this scene is, is a little strange. But, uh, you know, so they, they basically, the cops thank them for uh, for their time 
and they pack everything up and leave. And we see uh, the man and the woman like waving goodbye to them be like, oh, have a good night. And then she goes, I never want to see another cup or cookie in my life. (laughs) (laughs) She just goes, may they burn in hell. I was like, good God. They say that said that so many times in the movie. It's like a catechism. They're just like, may he burn in hell, burn <laughs> right. in hell. <laughs> <laughs> it really is like because they they if one of them says it, the other one says it. Yep. Uh, but after the cops are gone, we see uh, the man open up the basement door and he flips a switch and a pantry. It was like there there was no basement. It was just a pantry. This pantry like shelf slides up, revealing the basement. So they have, like like you mentioned, all these weird, you know, cubbies of their own and shit that, like, who built it? Did he build it? <laughs> What's going on? But I do have to admit, I really do love how, how weird this house is with all the tricks and traps. I mean, don't get me wrong. I want to live in that house. Right. Just, just not with them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Right? Not under the stairs, please. Yeah, I don't want to be under the stairs. But... We see them uh, like, you know, they they flip, they open up the control panel again, like flip some switches, doors lock and all that. And as they head upstairs, they're discussing how the back door was open for so long and she couldn't watch it the whole time. She was worried that one of them may have gotten out. And he tells her that they couldn't have because he drugged them with horse tranquilizers. So he drugged the kids. <laughs> and as they go upstairs, we see a kitchen cabinet or a kitchen cupboard door open and fool come climbing out. So with all those cops there, Fool rushed in. <laughs> Fools rush in. Um, and <laughs> oh, climbed <laughs> and climbed into a cabinet. Like I guess. <laughs> it just yeah, nobody saw that. <laughs> oh man. But anyway. So he goes and gets a fire poker and creeps upstairs where we hear the man and woman talking. He's saying how he's going to find Fool tomorrow and kill him. And then she goes, don't forget to say your prayers. And he's like, oh, yeah, I got to say my prayers. <laughs> and it's really creepy because they're doing the like the call and response of now I lay me down to sleep. Uh, although they say, if I should kill before I wake, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> how you sleep kill? <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. But fool rounds the corner and he sees a real to real player running. So it was just a recording of the two of them talking. He looks confused and and like disappointed. And then suddenly, surprise, daddy pops out in full gimp mode and grabs Fool going, you miserable little shit. <laughs> Fool gouges his eyes. <laughs> daddy <laughs> drops him. And the woman comes running out screaming bloody murder. And Fool smacks her twice with a fire poker and then breaks it over daddy's head. <laughs> Again, the physical comedy is so on point. I love it. Fool runs downstairs and hits the switch on the power box to unlock the back door and makes it look like he escaped. The man and woman are pissed and discuss what to do with Alice. So we find out that she's up in the attic where they plan to leave her all night because she's terrified of it. So we see the fool didn't actually uh, run out the back door. He crawled up the uh, crawled up the chimney in the fireplace. So we cut to the attic. We see Alice hanging by her wrists and uh, fool. It comes up the chimney behind her and pops a brick out. So the two of them start talking. He finds out that she's hung up by a bolt. He knocks the bolt out, freeing her from her her uh, wrist uh, wrist restraints. And then suddenly, Daddy comes in in full gimp mode, and uh, she still pretends to be hung up, like you know, hung on the bolt. This part is so fucking disturbing. 
because she asks if she can be let down and he groans and starts rubbing his crotch. Uh, until the woman comes in and yells daddy. And he like jumps, takes his hand off his balls. (laughs) And she's like, help me come to bed. He's like grumbles and goes following after and then stops and looks back at Alice again. And she calls him a second time and he, you know, follows behind her. Why did she need help to go to bed? (laughs) I don't don't know. Maybe she knew he was trying to get at Alice. I I don't know. Yeah, probably. Gross. But uh, we see the two of them in the bedroom like she's rubbing her her wounded knee from (laughs) fool hitting her with the poker. And uh, she goes, when we find him, I'll throw him into the basement with the others. And she goes, only it won't be his ears I cut off. (laughs) Daddy just walks by and goes, it's going to be his balls. (laughs) (laughs) He's so angry about it. (laughs) It's funny every time. See, because oh. she, she's the one trying to be like subtle and coy and sly, and he's just saying the quiet part out loud, like earlier. Yeah. When he's just like, <laughs> it's like oh, yes, daddy, God. <laughs> oh, Lord. But Fool tells Alice to, to meet him by the window, and he climbs up out of the chimney and around uh, to, to the open window he jumped out earlier. And um, he tries to get her to follow him, but she says, that's no good. The first thing daddy did after you left was drain it and fill it with glass and, and rocks. So can't get out that way. And then uh, fool tells her about, you know, the, the real story he goes, they're not your real parents. They're brother. And they're not even uh, husband and wife. They're brother and sister and the rotten baby snatchers. <laughs> he convinces her to leave, uh, leave with him and they climb out back onto the roof. So inside we see mommy and daddy are fighting because daddy thinks Alice did it with fool and he wants to kill her because she's a little whore. What the fuck? <laughs> These two just don't make any sense anymore. I mean, there's a there's a there's a logic there, but I don't want to go to right. that, that that part of my own brain to even like consider what the fuck is wrong with these two. Exactly. But I, I do love this because she goes, "Not my little girl," and he goes, "He goes, but she's a whore." <laughs> She slaps him, and his reaction is he just starts fucking choking her. Good. I was like, no, good for him. Good for him. Like, maybe he should stand up for himself a little bit, the way that, he, that she's just slapping him around all the time. Like, I know he's a sadistic <laughs> bastard who needs to get shot in the dick himself, but, like, you know what? Stand up for yourself a little bit, you big pussy-bipped asshole. <laughs> Dude, I was laughing so fucking hard, though, when because he was just went, started choking <laughs> her like Frankenstein or something. Oh, it was fantastic. I just, I love, I love the, the dumb comedy in here. But uh, they, so they hear something in the chimney, and Daddy goes to look. He, like, he gets, takes his mask off, and he fires a couple times up into the chimney. And then we hear Fool faking being hit. Like, he starts, you know, making sound. He's like, he's like, oh, God, it hurts, it hurts. So Daddy gets all excited and looks up again, trying to see, you know, where he is. <laughs> we see Alice hand Fool a brick at the top of the chimney. <laughs> and he just <laughs> drops it down, clunking it, Daddy in the face. See, it's just Home Alone 2. I told you, it's just Home Alone 2. It really is. is. <laughs> at, at this point, it totally is Home Alone <laughs> So Alice and Fool climb into the chimney. The woman grabs the gun and looks up in there trying to, you know, trying to shoot him. And we get this fantastic sped up shot 
where Alice and Fool are sliding down the walls of the chimney while the woman screams. And it's totally that, like, shot in fast forward. <laughs> like, you just see them, just, like, scooting down. They land on her, grab the gun out of her hands, and Fool throws it down uh, the rest of the chimney so it goes down into the basement. But this part, this is the part I was talking about where I laugh every fucking time, the physical comedy. She grabs Fool by the throat and starts choking him. And he just crams two fingers up her nostrils, like two knuckles deep. Like he gets up there. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> and she lets him go. And like the two of them continue down the chimney. She pulls her face out of the chimney and starts like snorting. And she just goes, caca. <laughs> <laughs> Every like, time. Like Annie from Misery. <laughs> just caca. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. I love it. <laughs> so they get down to the first floor and fool tells Alice to leave out the back door. He says he's going down in the basement to get the gun and set the others free. Alice heads toward the back door, but mommy comes downstairs and, gra- and grabs her screaming at her, wanting to know where fool is. Alice finally fights back, stomping on her foot, shoving her, shoving her off of her and yelling, go to hell. She then runs for the back door. Daddy comes down and mommy tells her that fool turned Alice against her and that she'll have to burn in hell with him. So he cocks his gun, ready to go kill Alice too. They head into the kitchen and see the back door is still closed and realize that she has to be somewhere in the kitchen. So they start searching, you know, all through the cupboards and all that looking all over the place. And while they're searching, we see Alice's slipper on the stove and she pops down out of the stove hood, grabs her slipper, and shoots back up into the walls. <laughs> we then hear the people under the stairs, and Daddy suggests that he's down, or she's down there. And she tells him that that's impossible. He smiles and then says, then he is. So he knows Fool's down there. He opens the door. We see Fool standing there with the shotgun, but like holding it right on him. He, t- he tells him, if you, if you know any prayers, you better start saying them. So the man holds his hands up and then quickly hits the switch, turning the stairs into a slide, dropping Fool back into the basement. The man gives the woman his gun and tells her uh, that he's going to go down after Fool and that she needs to go find Alice. So he goes downstairs, grabs grabs Fool, and walks him over to the pit that Leroy and Spencer are in and then holds the shotgun to Fool's face, basically saying you're going to join your friends soon. Just then there's a knock at the door. The woman tells him to hold on because it might be the cops again. She goes to answer it, and it's Ruby. She tells her off for being a rotten landlord who allows her buildings to rot while taking advantage of the people living in them. She slams the door on Ruby and tells Daddy to go ahead and kill Fool. He goes to shoot him, but gets blinded by the lights from the people under the stairs shining their flashlights at him. Fool escapes again. Daddy starts shooting at the people under the stairs. (laughs) And just then, there's another knock at the door. So Mommy's like, stop shooting again. (laughs) (laughs) she thinks that you know that this time it really is the police because they start yelling this is the police we've heard reports of gunfire open up so the woman answers the door yet again but this time it's grandpa booker with ruby she tries to slam the door but he stops her saying we just want to finish saying our piece ma'am ruby goes on to tell her not only are you bad landlords but 10 times worse you've stolen the children from our community for your own sick needs and we ha- we ha- we cannot have one of these types of movies without some very overt racism. Yeah, because the woman says there's no community here, and then she holds up her gun and says, "All I see here are a couple of n," and then she stops, 
as a whole community of people come walking up. <laughs> like the fuck you say? <laughs> and I love it because <laughs> the one guy in the crowd yells out, busted your ass, bitch. <laughs> and I laugh every damn time. I know, I love it. So Ruby goes, what are you going to do? Shoot us all? And she goes, no, just you two. And then another great bit of physical comedy. Alice drops out of the ceiling like a little monkey. <laughs> grabs her mom and bashes her face into the floor all in fast forward. It's so great. Yeah, <laughs> she, she's the new roach. Right. But I love it because Ruby goes, you knocked that bitch out cold. And then <laughs> you hear the guy in the background again. He goes, man, look at her. What they doing to her in there? I love his commentary. <laughs> so back to fool in the basement. The people under the stairs grab him and, and use him to try to trick daddy into shooting the door. So they kind of like pull him over to the lock on the door. Daddy aims a shotgun. They drop him. Fool falls out of the way. He shoots off the lock on the basement or on the, the cell door. They then grab fool and pull him into the cell with him. Daddy goes in after him, but the people are hiding fool. Booker, Ruby and Alice call for fool at the top of the stairs Daddy goes running to them, like, you know, he's going to go get him. <laughs> they slide a little because they're like, oh, shit. And they just slam the door on him, which hits him in the face. And he tumbles back down the stairs. Very cartoon-like. So Fool tells the people that they, that they can get out, that the door was left open. It's like one of the people shows him the vault where all the man's money is. Now, wasn't that an embalming room? Yes, yeah, that's what I mentioned earlier about how there's there's more to this house. Uh, I should say there's more like evidence that it was a funeral home. Yeah, it was an embalming yeah. room, and then in a little bit when the man goes in there, I, I was asking myself like, why are there so many lights on in this like locked up, booby trapped room in the basement next to the people under the stairs? Because yeah, there's lights on on the walls, and there's a bunch of like little like vials of like chemicals and stuff that are all like lit up from behind like some like uh, mad scientist lab. Right. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, OK, it's an embalming room. So maybe the chemicals are just still there after all this time. Or maybe he's embalming people. I don't know. <laughs> I think he's just. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Before you said before, like this is a generational like home. Well, they said some some weirdo like at some point it was a real funeral home. And then some weird weirdo yeah. turned into like a house of horrors. And now the current man and woman just live there and maybe they might not even fully even understand what's in the house, but they just leave it alone, I guess. Yeah. What were you going to say, Maurice? I was going to say, I, they said it was a funeral home in the past. So. Yeah. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention earlier, um, I, I don't know how I completely forgot this, but uh, when before Alice and Fool leave the uh, the attic and they go out onto the roof, they, they originally planned to go back down into the walls. And Alice points out that there's uh, the walls are now rigged with dynamite. So this fucking crazy bastard has rigged the crawl spaces of his own house with dynamite, which is going to come into play in a second. Yeah. And not even like just recently because of like fooling everybody because he wouldn't have had time. Like that must have been something that he already had in place. You know, uh, one of his additional booby traps in, in a, you know, they've got the walls all like barred up with like those grills and obviously all the booby traps and the the hidden doors and the the you know the controlled panels and the moving cabinets and then we've got explosives like <laughs> right. what what does he think is going to happen <laughs> yeah he's he's literally going to blow up his own fucking house but um so yeah so fool is now in the vault with with uh, all all them or he's he's at the vault with all them or the embalming room door i should say i keep calling it a vault but it's really an embalming room 
But uh, the one of the, the people under the stairs point out that there's an alarm system on it. So Fool goes and unwires the alarm system so he can get into the room. Uh, upstairs, Ruby and Alice notice that Mommy is now gone. Ruby goes outside asking the group if anyone saw where she went, but then the door swings shut behind her, locking her out and Alice in. Alice tries to unlock the door from the panel, but a computer voice says, System Remote Override. We then hear Mommy's voice on the PA saying, You know I wouldn't let you get away that easy. Alice goes looking for her mother and finds her standing in the kitchen. And <laughs> this fucking scene always creeped me out. She turns, holding up a knife, and runs at her screaming like a lunatic. <laughs> she tackles Alice on the stairs, wrestling her, trying to stab her in the face. Suddenly, one of the kids busts through the stairs and, uh, and bites Mommy's arm, forcing her to drop the knife. She screams and backs away. And more and more kids start busting out of the walls and the crawl spaces, grabbing at her, and she's screaming. So she runs turns into Alice like turns around the corner uh, to Alice who's holding a knife out and she ends up getting herself stabbed on it. She looks down at her wound shocked, tries to stagger away. The people under the stairs surround her. She turns back to to face Alice and says, "You hurt your mother." She goes, "You're not my mother. You never were." And then Bobby pulls out the knife and screams, "Then burn in hell!" and rushes her as the people under the stairs attack her. So is, there a, is, there a, is there a count of how many times she says burn in hell? Oh, God, it's got to be like 40. Look, <laughs> it's so many times in this movie. Oh, man, if it was a drinking game, we'd all be fucked up right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we really would be. We should try that next time. So, <laughs> right? I, I'm going to call bullshit on one thing in, in this, uh, this whole section of the movie from here and then really toward the end is how are these people under the stairs able to mob you know the mom or, or really do anything because they were they were they should be emaciated skeletons who yep. you know barely barely had anything to eat you know the dad claims that he kept them real hungry to the point where they were like desperately eating like dead bodies to survive and yet they come out from under the stairs with all this energy jumping and running around and grabbing stuff and dragging people around and fighting and the one dude has like a freaking like leather face mask sewn on you know <laughs> it's like when did you make that <laughs> arts and crafts um <laughs> I'm going to argue that this follows horror movie logic where when a person or creature is kept locked up for ages, uh, for whatever reason, once somebody enters its domain, it has ridiculous amounts of strength. And I'm going to cite movies like Castle Freak and The Descent. (laughs) (laughs) This is something that happens in horror for some weird reason. Definitely a horror trope because you're right. They would have no energy. Like fucking Castle Freak, I would still love to know how Georgie was able to move, let alone climb around on the walls. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, these guys, was, they they should be like the like the sloth victim from Seven. You know, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's still one of the, ooh, such a creepy movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I regret mentioning it. <laughs> <laughs> I I really wouldn't mind covering it one of these days, but man, that's ugh, that movie is disturbing. But so after they attack her, uh, they open the basement door and throw her downstairs with her throat ripped out. Daddy sees her as she dies. The kids surround her and stare at daddy. Suddenly he hears fool knock over some coins in the vault and he runs in looking for him. 
He hears the coins dropping and he sees them falling behind a box. He thinks Fool is hiding back there, counting the coins, letting the money slip through his fingers. He says, I know what you're doing. Letting that money roll right through your fingers. I've done it a thousand times myself and I'll do it a thousand more. And he turns with his gun, pointing it out. And we see that uh, the coins have been shoved into some burning candles and are falling as the wax melts. Now he looks around all confused. Fool comes up behind him holding two wires and tells the man to drop the gun or he'll blow him sky high. He turns around and looks. He sees the wires are connected to bundles of dynamite. Fool tells him, you know, it's something about the, the house being rigged. He goes, I, I think it's a dumb place to keep it, in my opinion, <laughs> like with the dynamite in this house. Um, and he warns him. He goes, I don't want to kill you, but I will because I don't like you much anyway. <laughs> he goes, so go ahead and put your gun down. Well, daddy aims his gun at Fool. Fool touches the wires and jumps out of the way. The dynamite explodes, sending daddy flying into the body pit. So he you know, hits the wall and then falls down in with the, the poopy water and corpses. And uh, we see the rest of the dynamite trigger in the house, blowing up parts of the house and money goes shooting up out of the chimney. Alice finds fool in the basement and asks if he's okay. He tells her, I feel like a million bucks. We pan out to money raining down over the neighborhood as people cheer and collect it up. The people under the stairs just wander out amongst the crowd and run to freedom. (laughs) Like, you know, these were these were people who were eating bodies and ready to eat fo- like eat fool when he was first thrown in there, and now they're outside and they're just like ah fresh air like yeah I feel like they'd be attacking and biting people. Yeah, they just piece out of there, you know. But yeah. well, I was uh, yeah I would have expected them to just be super afraid, you know. Again, they've been living in like darkness right for years, right. kept uh, traumatized and like barely fed. I mean, that's the thing is they would be mentally you know, ill and like I said, and like I said, traumatized, they'd be like PTSD or whatever. Like, I feel like they'd be afraid of this giant crowd of people. They'd be afraid to leave the house the way that Alice was, you know, for a little while. But yeah, the fact that they just were like, ah, fresh air and wandered off. It also made me think that I wonder how long they were in there. You know, Alice right. clearly seems to have grown up in this house. So maybe not, maybe not from a baby, but young enough where she doesn't really remember her previous life, but somebody like the stairmaster, you know, this like the, the head guy, right. He's, he at least seems to be a relatively like uh normal person other than, you know, being trapped down there for a long time. So, I mean, he was, he was probably not a child when he went in and he's, right. you know, enjoying like, Oh, freedom. I'm just going to go home now. But yeah, a lot of the other ones, I would, yeah, it just, it seemed weird that they just slipped away and then nobody else in the crowd seemed to care. Cause they were just like, Oh, money. <laughs> right. I was like, cause we see le- the dude with the leather face just kind of like walking amongst the crowd. It's like, I don't know about you guys, but I'd be freaking the fuck out if I saw that walking around like, Holy shit. You know, but yeah, we see the the neighborhood, you know, happy, you know, like like giving each other high fives. We see the little kids collecting up money. Everyone's all happy. We cue do the right thing. Credits. The end. <laughs> so such then, a strange choice for a song, though, to cue uh, at the yeah. end. <laughs> such a weird, weird choice. I mean, I guess it kind of goes back to like the humor that we had earlier on, you know, to kind of lighten the mood a little bit. But yeah, really, really jarring. But also, to be fair. That time in the 90s, it didn't matter what movie it was. We had this type of like this, this, this type of rap played in almost every end credit scene Mm -hmm. for comedies, action movies, horror movies. 
I mean, granted, I personally am a fan of the rap that uh, is is about the movie. Yeah, me know, too. <laughs> like Monster Squad and Ninja Turtles. Like I like that. I, I always enjoy those. But but yeah, this this era always had like you know uh, a, a rap song at the end in the credits. Yeah, like mm-hmm. please get me, please get me four citizens on patrol. Yes, <laughs> yes, I love that song. Oh, oh man, but so. uh, but yeah. So overall, I fucking love the movie. Like it's it's one of those movies that I can just put on any old time and have fun with. In in spite of the fact that its subject matter is very disturbing, but the <laughs> delivery of the film is is quite enjoying to watch. Yeah, I haven't seen this. Haven't seen this one in a super long time. But I, yeah, I mentioned some of those other sort of like uh, you know uh, the ghetto sucks kind of movies from this mm-hmm. time period. And like like I mentioned, I had just recently seen like Higher Learning, which comes out a little bit later. But I, I think it's you know a cousin. But there's like you know the the Lean on Me and the Boys in the Hood and Menace mm-hmm. to Society and all those. And yeah, for some reason, those are the movies that I put on when I just want to have something on in the background. And I don't really have to pay attention to it that much, or yep. I'm like play, playing on my phone or whatever. I don't know why, but like that's I, I'm always like, let's put on some like real early John Singleton. <laughs> yeah, you know, though, I I feel like it's it's again it's because of the era that we grew up in. Like I almost feel like that type of film feels like comfort food because we we were I think we were old enough at that point where we were just starting to kind of pay attention to film. It wasn't just like, ooh, look, cool monster gunfights. You know, it was like we were starting to pay attention to the movies and actually follow plot lines properly and all that. And that was, that was the uh, like popular type of film in that era. So, cause I'm, I'm the same way. Like I really do enjoy those types of movies. lean on me is one of my favorite, you know, favorite movies of that time frame, And I For watch sure. that one all the time. <laughs> so like, me that's too. another non movie. Sorry. Yeah. I was oh, gonna say, that's, a, that's at least an uplifting movie, but like, you know, right. s- something like menace to society is just so dark. I don't know yeah, why yeah. I watch it so much, <laughs> but it, it is a good movie though. <laughs> oh, it's great. I love it. But yeah, no, uh, lean on me is one of those non horror movies that I will put on. Cause I usually put on a horror movie, uh, nine times out of 10, but lean on me is definitely one of those movies that I'll just throw on and, and watch occasionally. Uh, you know, I've seen it tons of freaking times. Uh, well, it was actually one of the first DVDs I bought. So when I finally got a DVD player in like the first 10 movies, I bought lean on me. <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, so, uh, a li- little bit of trivia, um, that Wes Craven specifically chose Wendy Robbie and Everett McGill after watching twin peaks. Uh, he, you know, he saw, he liked them as the husband and wife on twin peaks. So he's like, put them in this, they could be freaks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I thought that was kind of funny. The cone, the well, cone, yeah, the coin that fool. fool ugh, God, I'm tongue tied for whatever reason. Let me start that over. The coin that fool pulls out of Spencer's hand is actually real. Uh, it is known as an American gold eagle and contains one ounce of 22 karat gold and would be worth approximately seven hundred and eight dollars in 1991. So. <laughs> getting that baggie of coins like he yeah he would have a couple thousand dollars there so and again in 1991 that's not money to scoff at yeah so uh, i i hope he, gra- he grabbed up a, you know like he pulled his shirt up like a little you know uh cup in front of him and like filled it up full of money before he, he left the house you know he had his little uh introspective moment to sit on the stairs and think about all the trauma that just happened to him but i really hope he just started like grabbing up handfuls after that <laughs> agreed <laughs> Um, apparently, uh, the, the budget for this was 6 million and, um, it earned back its, its budget in a few days of theatrical release. So 
it, it did it did quite well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so oh, then this I, the last thing I have was the thing you mentioned, the Elden uh, Robeson. I was like, I knew I had something in my in my trivia about that, about his name being Elden. So and then oh, one one other thing is. Once again, much like Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven was inspired to write this after reading real-life news stories about burglars breaking into a house. When authorities arrived, the burglars had disappeared, but they discovered locked doors with noises coming from behind, and children had been locked in the room by their parents, never allowed to go outside. So apparently there was a real-life story where these kids were not allowed to leave the house. But, ugh, it's messed up. Yep. But Wes Craven likes to do that. He likes to take real life stories that he reads about and is like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to make a horror movie out of that. I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street, he talks about uh, that it was um, specifically uh, people from that had, had dealt with Pol Pot um, who had escaped. you know, like, you know, that guy and were having horrible nightmares and couldn't like they were afraid to go to sleep because they kept saying that they would die in their sleep. And there's a guy who actually, you know, his nightmares were so bad. He ended up having a heart attack while sleeping. Yeah, and, yeah, that um, was in uh, Cambodia. Yeah, yeah, Cambodia. Pol, Thank you. Pol Pot, yeah. Com- yeah, I couldn't, couldn't, couldn't remember exactly where. But um, I, I remember like that from, I want to say it was Never Sleep Again, the documentary. Yeah, but, I think uh, so. I think that's where I learned about it, too, I think. Yeah. and uh, But yeah, Wes Craven has a, has a thing for that. But uh, yeah, so anybody have any final thoughts on, on this wacky film? Nope. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think I said my piece, you know, throughout the throughout the film. I, I really I do enjoy this movie. I wouldn't say it's the kind of movie that I would just like toss on in the background every time I wanted, you know, something kind of a like a comfort food kind of a movie. But it's definitely one that I probably will revisit more often now. I hadn't seen it in a really long time. Back in the '90s, it was definitely in my my regular rotation. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I hadn't seen it in a long time. So yeah, I, I, thanks for for inviting me on gentlemen so i had a chance to check it out again and talk about it a little bit yeah this was a lot of fun oh absolutely well thank you for joining us um well yeah then we will get into our social media here so uh for anyone not following us we are the boogeyman's closet on both facebook and instagram maurice handles our twitter and what is that good sir at boogeyman's the thank you very much uh, we do have a Patreon. It's uh, $3 a month for all of our unedited episodes, as well as an exclusive episode every month. Uh, any of the higher tiers will get you stuff like artwork in the mail and uh, the ability to pick birthday episodes or uh, a, a couple episodes a year to just tell us what the hell to watch. Uh, stuff like that, if you're interested, it's uh, The Boogeyman's Closet on Patreon. Uh, we are still doing our giveaways. Uh, by the time this comes out... I think you'll have a couple of days before uh, the winner is picked for April. So if you're interested in winning some free horror swag, go check that out on the socials. Uh, we are also a part of the Rad Pantheon network um, where it's uh, radpantheon.com and Rad Pantheon on all the socials. You will find other podcasts similar to this, a bunch of cool artists and musicians, just a lot of cool people doing cool stuff. And uh, Josh, I will toss it over to you since you uh, curate the Rad Pantheon and you also uh, are the host of another show I'm part of. So you want to give some plugs? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. I uh, appreciate the, the plug for Red Pantheon. Also, you and I host the uh, Raised by Rentals podcast where we examine pop culture franchises of the VHS era and improv new stories right off the dome. 
to imagine how we can improve our favorite movies, TV shows, and games. And basically what that means is, you know, we uh, we pick a property from the era of the uh, the VHS format and we uh, we come up with a, new, with a new story, like whether it's a movie sequel or a TV show or a video game or something. Uh, and we, we try to add to the, the installment. And again, we just we just improv it live. And it's always a lot of fun and always a challenge. And uh, yeah, everyone should come check us out at RaisedByRentals.com and on the socials at RaisedByRentals all over the place. In addition, stop by, please, on Instagram and Twitter. Visit me at Comics Boost, where I spotlight crowdfunding campaigns for comic book projects that I think deserve to become a reality. There's usually something for everyone, so stop on by all over the social media at Comics Boost. Just spell comics with an X. Sounds good. And uh, our next episode, for anyone who likes to watch our movies before we cover them, we don't know what it's going to be yet. <laughs> so you have to check our social media. We are going to be starting our re- our month of remakes, round three. This is the third time we've covered remakes. As of this recording, uh, the two leading the pack are the Amityville Horror remake and... I know we're bending the rules. This is technically not a remake. It's a requel, but the new Candyman movie. Uh, It's one of those movies I really wanted to have on there, so I put it in there. I bent the rules, so screw it. Uh, But a lot of you agree with me because it's it's running right up alongside the Amityville Horror. So chances are our first movie will be one of those. But if you like to watch before we record, check out the social media. That's where you'll find out. You'll see the trailer for whatever we're uh, about to record soon. So... Yeah, uh, Josh, as always, thank you for joining us. Uh, I know we have some fun stuff planned in the coming month, so you guys are definitely going to hear a lot more of Josh. And uh, yeah, as always, this was uh, this was a lot of fun. So this is Mike saying goodbye. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, follow us on Instagram at The Boogeyman's Closet, where you can stay up to date with everything we have planned.